You are listening to a sermon by Pastor Christopher Sally of New Life Christian Fellowship Church. How to do what you need to do. This is the second sermon in our new series called The Ins and Outs of God. Ins and outs simply meaning we're taking a look at the introductions and benedictions of certain New Testament books, um, certain New Testament authors, because in addition to sometimes them just with the Apostle Paul just saying, hey, it's Paul, I'm writing you grace and peace through Jesus Christ. Very simple kind of introduction. Uh, oftentimes, though, there's a, a great amount of theology when uh, these these uh, writers get to the introductions that they have. And last time we looked at Romans chapter one, verses one through seven, and that gave us a peek at the gospel, amen? Because the apostle Paul was so excited about what he was talking about, uh, that he was writing to the Roman Christians about for 16 chapters that he condensed it really with the introduction in those seven verses. And we explored that the last time. So we did an end, amen? Now we're gonna look at an outro, amen, from the writer, of Hebrews as that writer uh, concludes the uh, exploration that he had. Uh, he says the, those simple words, now may the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will and him be working us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. There's, there's a lot there, y'all. And we're just going to take a little bit of time uh, this morning to to talk about it. Amen. Uh, OK, I was looking at this timer. It was confusing me for a second. Uh, sorry. <laughs> so this writer of Hebrews has spent 13 chapters really encouraging the listeners that in Christ you have better blessings and a superior covenant. So, therefore, you need to grow and develop in your faith. Amen. Let me say that again. The writer of Hebrews, if you look at all of Hebrews, as, as this writer concludes, and we don't know who the writer is. Uh, scholars are, you know, have, have concluded that there's not enough evidence to say who it is. But we just know that the writer of Hebrews was encouraging the readers and the listeners that in Christ... You have better blessings and a superior covenant, so therefore grow and develop in your faith. In other words, keep pushing. You can do it. And that's important for us because if you think about our lives and you think about the challenges that we faced, I would probably say there is a, <clears throat> there's a feeling or uh, uh, you could get to a place where you feel that there's some impossibility around being able to stand. Amen. And so there's an impossibility with standing. There's an impossibility with striving. There's a po impossibility in terms of serving and, and sharing and strengthening others all while you are suffering. Amen. And, and so you could get to a place very easily be, where you believe and understand and have experienced that life is filled with struggle. Amen. There's temptation everywhere. 
And as we have been learning and, and looking at it in James chapter one at men's Bible study, we understand that that desire for in terms of temptation, there's always a desire that's there. And there's a distraction from the enemy that leads to disobedience and ultimately death. It talks about James says that you are, 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 are deceived and, and, and enticed by your own lust. What's, what's in you? What's in me? And again, to know that you have a very active enemy who specializes not just in deception. We have an enemy that specializes in deception. He specializes in doubt. He specializes in discouragement. And he specializes in discord. Amen. He, he likes nothing more to see there be discord among the brothers. He likes nothing more than see you discourage yourself so that you start to look at your circumstances and not your God. He likes nothing more than to see you doubt what God said, because that's how he happened to deal with Adam and Eve. And he knows us in a very, uh, very effective strategy. And of course, as the father of lies, he deals in deception. And so not only do you have to fight what's in you, the enemy that's in inner me, come on somebody, but you also have to fight this very active enemy so you can get to a place where you literally can ask the question, how can we live for him? How can it be possible? And the writer of Hebrews encourages us in this benediction where there's a bunch of theology that's pulled in uh, from everything that he has been discussing for 13 chapters in in Hebrews and he lets us know first and foremost that we have a God of peace (laughs) okay I'm by myself I see it I feel it it's I, I get it I get it Y'all, y'all, y'all want to catch up? You, you'll catch up soon because to, to, to talk about now may the God of peace, you, you, you got to be able to understand that in order for you to do what you need to do, it helps to have a God of peace. He is a God of peace. And, you know, from Philippians chapter four, verses seven through nine and may and and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding shall keep your what your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And then it concludes in, in verse nine when it says those things which he had both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace, y'all can fill in the blank when I pause and the God of peace shall be with you. And I I love Philippians 4, 7, and 9 because it reminds us that the peace that God gives is a perplexing peace. Amen? It's a perplexing peace because it says it passes all understanding. You won't even know how you're able to stand. You don't even know how you got through a situation without losing your mind. But God says, I'm a God that gives a perplexing peace that passes all understanding. It's also a protective peace because it shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. I don't know if you're, if you're aware, but having a protective peace from God is, is a great thing. Amen. To be able to keep your heart and mind when all around you folks are losing theirs. Amen. It's a perplexing peace and it's a protective peace. And I love this the most. It is a present peace because it's in the person of God himself. And it says, and the God of peace shall be with you. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant, 
brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus. And since the writer of Hebrews has been spending all of this time talking about covenant, he's talked about blood and he's talking about the resurrection that made that new covenant possible. He has spent a lot of time talking to us about covenant. So it should not surprise us that he mentions that and slips that in, if you will, when he says who through the blood of the eternal covenant, he's been describing it as the old covenant and in the new covenant that came through Jesus Christ. But now he elevates it in his language by allowing us to know that that new covenant, beloved, is also what? An eternal covenant. Look at look at Hebrews chapter eight. And verse six, when it says, but in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant for which he is a mediator mediator is superior to the old one. Since the new covenant is established on better promises for if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. And in, 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 in verse 13, he says, by calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. He is saying that this, by the blood of the eternal covenant, he is letting us know that it's a superior covenant. It's an eternal covenant. And he's not only a God of peace, by providing this new covenant, he has demonstrated once again that he is a God of power. Okay, okay, you, okay. I'm excited. Okay, e- even, even if you're subdued, okay, because that's at least, at least I got that much. Subdued. I believe you're impressed with God, but just, you know, right now, just at this exact moment, just a little subdued. But when you got a God of peace and a God of power, I'm, I'm, I'm letting you know he's, he's going somewhere with this because he's going to let you know how you can do what you need to do. You can do it because of the connection you have to a God of peace and a God of power. He says through the blood who he brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus. So again, now we're talking about Power. We're talking about dunamis power. We're talking about resurrection power. The power to raise from the dead is the ultimate power. Amen. You think about Hebrews 2 and it says for as much then as the children were partakers of flesh and blood, he himself likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. That writer of Hebrews is letting us know that the captain of our salvation and the author and finisher of the faith, Jesus Christ, conquered death. And when he conquered death, he delivered us from the fear of death because the fear of death made us subject our entire lives to the slavery of fear. He said, I've broken that for you because I have resurrected from the dead. Amen. Acts 2 says it this way. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. I say that that's got to that's got to do something for you there. He said he was raised from the dead because death couldn't hold him. You can't guard me. 
You can't guard me. That's what he was saying. It's like, you know, or when you see an NFL player, they do it a lot now. When they stiff arm somebody or they do something and they just they, they do like this. You're too, you're too little. You can't, you, you, you can't take me. You can't do me. Or, 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 when you, or a basketball player. See, he, he can't guard me. Get somebody out here who can guard me. That's what Jesus said to death. Get somebody out here who can guard me. You can't hold me. I will go down in the grave on, on, on my, no man take my life, but I lay it down to redeem. He said, I lay it down and I'll pick it back up. Amen. That's the power that he has. Don't, aren't you glad that you serve a God who has the power to lay down his life and pick it back up? At the same time, that's real power. That's resurrection power. And he says, through the blood of the eternal covenant, we have a God who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus. He brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, such that we can say, as it says in 1 Corinthians 15, when the perishable has been closed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your what? Your sting. The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. A God of peace, a God of power. And then he says this at the end of verse 20, that great shepherd of the sheep. A God of peace, a God of power. And now he's talking about a God of protection you know as well as I do that Psalms 22 describes that crucified and suffering shepherd that's the picture of the good shepherd that lays down his life for the sheep that Psalms 24 is the sovereign and conquering shepherd that's uh, uh, that's the that the is the uh, is the chief shepherd that first Peter 5 and 4 references but Psalms 23 is not the sovereign and conquering shepherd of 24 or the suffering and crucified one of 22 but he's that serving and caring shepherd amen Psalms 23 which we went over extensively earlier this year as part of our exploration of one way God's way is talking about that serving and caring shepherd. That's the great shepherd. And that great shepherd provides, come on somebody, great protection. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to do what? Lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me besides the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Nay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff they comfort me thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemy thou anointest my head with oil my cup runneth over over surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever I'm talking about 
protection. I'm talking about the rod and the staff, the, the rod that provides discipline and defense and detection of disease. And when you pass under the rod of the shepherd, all of that is there for your protection. And then you talk about a staff that, that delivers and it draws and it directs the rod and the staff comfort. He says, and I will dwell Come on, somebody in the house of the Lord forever. Now you're talking about safety and, and, and security and, and I'll be with him forever. Amen. That's what David is talking about. And this is what the writer of Hebrews is tapping into when he says that great shepherd of the sheep. I will dwell in the house of the Lord for how long? Forever. Come on, somebody. That is an affirmation of permanence. I will be with him forever. And John chapter 10 says, my father is greater than all and no man can pluck the sheep out of my father's hand. You got to be able to be excited about not just the protection you receive today, but the permanence you receive through Jesus Christ and him being that great shepherd. It's an affirmation of permanence. It's also an affirmation of pleasure, beloved. This is the bonus track. It's an affirmation of pleasure. Why? because David said there's no place else I'd rather be amen I want to dwell with him forever that's what we talked about when David said the one thing I desire of the Lord that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple affirmation of permanence affirmation of pleasure and an affirmation of priority because as we explored and talked about a few weeks ago you can't just roll up on God and dwell you gotta be qualified to dwell so when you say I want to dwell with you and I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life you're making an affirmation of priority that I will obey him I will seek him and I will and I will be like him and I'm going to I'm going to see the beauty of his holiness and I'm going to see his holiness that I might be able to change my own. Amen. I want to dwell. And which is why we don't pray very often in our prayer life to dwell with God. We pray for God to do a bunch of stuff around us. But David is talking about, I want him to do something in me. I want him to change me from the inside out because I want to dwell with him. The God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. Just a little inkling of what the great shepherd does for us. Amen. Providing protection. He's a God of peace. He's a God of power because he raised Jesus from the dead and he is a God of protection. To what end? May this God, verse 21, may this God, come on somebody, may this God equip you with everything good for doing his will. May he equip you with everything good for doing his will. I would better phrase it this way. May you allow yourselves to be equipped with everything good because he's already provided it because he is a God of provision. Amen. And, and so it's not may he 
equip you with everything good for doing his will. Yeah, it's like may, may, may you tap into the equipment and the equipping and the provision that God has already made for you. Amen. Because as we discussed again, if, if I'm thinking about yesterday and I'm thinking about uh, men's Bible study, and it, 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 as it so often happens, we start to discuss things that end up getting preached. Amen. It's just the, it's just the nature of how we do it. There's sermon prep that's happening that I didn't ask for. Amen. But because the, the spirit is there and moving, we we kind of begin to move on some things. And we spent a little time uh, yesterday talking about Second uh, uh, Peter chapter one, just a little bit, because in Second Peter chapter one, we see that there is a basis for victory that's there. There is a there's some building blocks for victory and how you can do what you need to do. That's what victory is in this context. How can you do what you need to do? How means how can you live a victorious life? There's a basis for that. There's some building blocks that are there and then there's some bounty that's there. Now we didn't discuss that yesterday because now I'm preaching it but but I'm, I'm letting you know that if you look at verse 3 he says according as his divine power hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. His divine nature, that is the basis. We have the Holy Spirit. And because we have the Holy Spirit, we literally have all things we need that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that called us unto glory and virtue. Amen. We have all things that we need through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that indwells in you and indwells in me. If you are a believer in the body of Christ, his divine power hath given us everything we need. So when he says, may this God equip you with everything good for doing his will, he's really saying you really have to tap into what he's already provided by his spirit. He has given you everything, not some things, not most things, everything that you need. To live a life that is victorious, that will lead to life and godliness. And then he gives us some of the, the building blocks of that, if you will, in verse 5. So you got the basis for being able to be victorious because you have access to the Holy Spirit. And then he starts to say these things. Now make every effort to add to your faith goodness. You start with faith because without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He says, so start with faith. You have to believe. But but you don't stop. You don't stop there. You got to start building on that. If you want to be victorious, you got to start to build. So he said, add to your faith, goodness and add to your goodness. What knowledge and to knowledge, add self-control and to self-control, perseverance and to perseverance, godliness and to godliness, brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in an increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. Therefore, brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall. It's not impossible. It's possible. It's possible because there is a basis for the victory. 
the divine nature that we now share because we have the Holy Spirit. It's possible because he outlines for us what the building blocks are. And it's possible because there is some bounty that happens. There is some results of that when you look at verses 8 and you look at verses 9 and you look at verses 10. He said, for if these things be in you and abound. They make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has gotten and forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. The bounty of the victory is if you can do what you need to do, it will keep you from fainting. It'll keep you from uh, falling. It'll keep you from forgetting and it'll keep you from faltering you won't even have a misstep if we could actually execute on the plan of God for our lives if we could actually submit a hundred percent to his will and say nevertheless not like Jesus did nevertheless not my will but yours be done if we could do that if we could really add those building blocks and we could have all of those things be manifested in our lives it'll keep us from fainting it'll keep us from faltering it'll keep us from forgetting and it'll keep us from falling that is the bounty of the victory he is outlining for us how we can do what we need to do in order to see victory and not defeat in order to to meet any challenge and overcome it to to not just strive but to thrive amen it's because of the provision that he has given and he has done all of these things through the holy spirit that he equips us with these things it shows the possibility of these things and he will equip you with everything good so that you can accomplish your will. No, no. I heard somebody say, amen. No, no. You are equipped so that you can accomplish his will. He's trying to get you to get on. Come on, somebody. He's trying to get you to get on his page. Forget your page. I know you think your page is important. It's not. <laughs> not compared to his page. He says, I've always been trying to get people on my page. That's literally what a man means. Let, you know, so be it. So be it what? What I said. No, what he said. And so he says he's going to equip you. May he equip you with everything good for doing his will. You really need to respond to all of the equipping that has already taken place. Because not only is he a God of power, not only is he a God of peace, not only he's a God of protection, he is a God of provision. And he says, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him. Now we're talking about purpose. Uh, he's doing all of these things that this purpose may be fulfilled. The provision shows that we can do it. It shows the possibility of it. And then he says, may he work in us what is pleasing to him. And working in us shows us not the possibility of it, but the path of it. Amen. The path of it is, is that he is the one, come on somebody, that works it in us. Now we got to flip. Now we got to flip to um, Philippians 2 and 13, which says, for it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And then it says in verse 
the next verse, uh, then in verse 12 says, work out your own salvation with what? Fear and trembling. And those two verses combined together show us that we can work it out because he works it in. The only way you can work out your salvation is because he works it in. And he works it in so well that even when you don't have the desire to do what needs to be done, that scripture tells us he will work in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Oh, that he would hear a prayer from you and a prayer from me that literally was honest and said, I don't feel like meeting the standard that you set. I, 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 I don't aspire to it. Lord, I need you to. I don't aspire to it. And I want you to inspire me so that you give me the will to do what you want me to do, because I don't have it. I'm too selfish. I'm, 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 I'm too self-absorbed where I am. I can't really see all of the benefits of, of giving up my life and my wishes and getting on your page. But I need you to help me because I know aspirationally that's where I want to be. So I'm going to start focusing my prayer life on. I need you to allow me to to, to have your will in me and he says and he promises I will work in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure and that's exactly what the writer of Hebrews 13 is saying and may he work in us what is pleasing to him may he work in us what is pleasing to him and is it any surprise that there's a phrase that's there that's just three words? Through who? Jesus Christ. It's always about the person of Christ. Always about the person of Christ. It's important to remind us ourselves and then by extension to remind our friends and our neighbors and our loved ones that the only way that we can have a relationship with the God who creates us, created us, and sustains us is through the person of Jesus Christ. Truth confronts and it separates. And the truth is, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And this is the record that God hath given unto us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He that hath the son hath life. And he that hath not the son of God hath not life. There's one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus prayed this, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and your son, Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. At every turn, there is a affirmation in scripture that it is through Christ alone that we have a relationship with God. We cannot forget that. That's how we can do anything that we're that we do because why he is divine we are the we are the branches and John 15 and 5 reminds us that he abideth in me and I he that abideth in me and I in him the same bringeth forth what much fruit for apart from me you could do nothing matter of fact in the urban you got nothing you got nothing if you don't have Jesus you got nothing 
And it's always good to be reminded that everything comes through the person of Jesus Christ. And when you do that and when you know that and you should be able to get excited about it, hmm, how can I do what I need to do? I've got a God who loves me. I've got a God that provides, a God that has power, a God that, that is a, a, a God of peace. He's a God of power. He's a, he's a God of protection. So I can, I can be where I need to be. And, and I, I know that eternally I'm safe and I have shelter and security and, and safety when I dwell with him. And that's aspirationally where I want to be. And I want to be qualified to dwell. I want to focus on it. And I want to be able to see the beauty of his holiness that I might see his and change mine. And I want to move closer to him glory to glory to glory the song we sang earlier is based on second corinthians 3 and 18 for we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the lord are changed into that same image from glory to glory even as by the spirit of the lord we're talking about sanctification amen he says that's where i want to be aspirationally that's what i want to do i know how i can get it done i can get it done because god is a god of peace and power and protection and not only is he those things he gives us provision according to second peter he's given us everything we need for life and godliness we got the basis for the victory we've got the building blocks for the victory we've got the bounty of the victory so that we don't have to fall unless we are, are, are falling because we're falling short but he says i've given you everything you need to do my will i've equipped you and i'm doing it through jesus christ God in the flesh, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's the relationship. And when you get to that point, you have no other response than to say to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, at the amen, what I'm supposed to do if this mic did not cost four hundred dollars is that's when you throw the mic down that's a mic throwing down moment to whom be glory forever and ever and ever amen and so we can praise the god who is a god of peace power and protection who gives provision to accomplish his purpose all through the person of Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. That's the encouragement. That's what makes us break out into a praise type uh, uh, prayer like David did in First Chronicles 29 when it says, and David praised the Lord in the presence of the assembly saying, praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things in your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. Did David get his praise on or not? Are you going to get your praise on? 
Are you going to praise him for all that he has done? Are you going to worship him for all that he is? Because you can praise God. He is a God of peace. Again, he's a God of power. He's a God of protection who gives provision to accomplish his purpose all through the person of Jesus Christ. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you.